Okay, and welcome back to the Kanika Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny, and I am joined, as always, by my lovely co-host and my beautiful wife, Nika. Good morning, Nika. Good morning, Kenny, and good morning to all the baseball fans out there, new and returning listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday, July 2nd. July 2nd, happy 4th of July weekend to everyone listening in the United States, and uh, happy... Independence Day to our neighbors to the north yesterday in Canada, if you're listening from Canada. Uh, it was especially relevant, or, or I, I shouldn't say relevant, it was, you would you would definitely be aware of this if you had seen any of the Blue Jays game yesterday because they had on these beautiful red uniforms with a maple leaf hat. So kind of a tradition that they've developed up in the Toronto to have a home game on July 1st and wear these red unis, kind of sharp looking. Always makes for a nice short print for tops to put out in a baseball card. So yeah, you get those kind of marketing opportunities, of course, with MLB and their affiliates. But it didn't help the Blue Jays to win the game. It did not. Okay. All right. We've got a great show for everyone today. We're going to start with uh, going through some of the games and action that we've been watching over the weekend and get you all ready for today's action. We have also our delayed all-star discussion. We have all the rosters set up here, ready to talk about who got snubbed, who should have been starting, who didn't make the team, who should have. No, just kidding. We're just going to talk about it a little bit. It's not going to be too controversial. But also some of the, the, we've got half now of the Home Run Derby participants announced. So we're going to talk about that. And more more stars going to get announced tonight, the pitchers. Yeah. And then, yeah. So then they're going to announce this all-star pitchers tonight. So we'll probably talk about that tomorrow. Yeah. All right, great. I guess there's nowhere I can really think of to start than uh, in Atlanta. The Braves are just, they're like prime rib to me right now. And everyone else in the NL is like just, they're just the rest. The other cuts. The other cuts, <laughs> you know. I don't know. Maybe they're the porterhouse. They got a, they got both the, the T-bone and the sirloin, right? Is that how it works? I think so. Or they like the tomahawk. I don't know. I just eat it. No, I just like know the, my meat's better. The tomahawk of steaks, the big... Big one at the end with the big bone. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. There you go. Good one. Yeah. They defeated the Marlins at home yesterday, seven to nothing. After putting up, I just thought of something because I said tomahawk and their Braves. Yeah. yeah. Little thing is a tomahawk too. <laughs> That's all. That is the uh, Atlanta Stop. Braves chant. If you don't know, but anyways, uh, the Braves won seven to nothing yesterday, and uh, they took it to Yuri Perez. Uh, the Marlins' young phenom. I, I had this circled as a watch matchup because I wanted to see how it did, and it did not go well for Mr. Perez yesterday. Uh, the young man did not make it out of the first inning. Atlanta scored six of those seven runs in the first off of him, and, yeah, he got sent to the showers way earlier than he was probably expecting when he went out there to start the game. He's, He's a 20-year-old kid pitching against... Again, one of the, the best, the, the tomahawk steak of <laughs> baseball right now. They're going to be going for the sweep today over the the Marlins came into this matchup of 14 games over 500. You know, they've been knocked down now to 12 games over 500 because Atlanta beat them two in a row. But that just shows how good the Braves have been. They are kicking it. They have moved now to 28 games over 500 cruising cruise control in the NL. They, they will be the number one seed in the NL. I mean, they... I don't see anyone catching them. No, not the Braves. Not the way they are structured right now. They got depth. They got pitching. They got Acuna. Yeah, they have the MVP front runner. They do. Uh, they have pitching depth, and they have 
more help coming back on the way with Max Freed and I'm, I forget the other one, but one of their other arms is on the injured list right now. Well, they got a whole team. But also just really well managed. They are. It seems like their their suits are in lockstep with their on-field managers. Like they have an organizational philosophy that they're executing. They're good year after year after year and they have been, you know, now for decades. They have a great they, farm system. They haven't system. had very much slumps in my lifetime. And I think that speaks very highly of their baseball acumen and the whole organization. We we said like when Freddie Freeman got traded, that it was kind of low blow the way they went about it. It is. I still it. think it is. It is. You know, I still think you make that phone call and say, "Hey, Freddie, we love you. It's not personal. We got to go in a different direction." Yeah. I'm really sorry. You you make that call before the Matt Olson trade leaks out through the press. Yeah. That's just me. That would have been the proper um, way to do it. it. It's, But it's all in the past now. And I think, you know, Freddie seems happy in L.A. And, and the, obviously, we've talked about this before on the show, but we knew the Braves would rebuild around Acuna. That's just how you do it. I think that's kind of how maybe the, we can talk about it in a little bit, but that's maybe how San Diego screwed up. Instead of going and getting Juan Soto, who's sort of like a competition to Fernando Tatis Jr. in terms of like, they're both, young both considered to be like players that you would build your organization around and like when you have two of them on the team how do you build around two players it, it becomes harder mm -hmm. i think it messes up with the club dynamic a little bit yeah so i think honestly the xander pickup i can buy more because you were getting a veteran slap hitter you know that doesn't necessarily not known for hitting for a lot of power. And, you know, that's, I, I think you need pieces like that to complement other players. But all right. Well, the last thing I wanted to mention is uh, Luisa Rise is kind of uh, struggling, I guess you could say, in Atlanta. He was one for four yesterday. He's now hitting 388 on the season. Still hitting, though, uh, we should say 55 points on the day ahead of Acuna. So he has a really big gap. In the, uh, the next line. runner up, yeah, it, and it's uh, fifty points. That's a lot. Yeah, it's kind of like looking at the uh, U.S. military spending list, right? Where it's like <laughs> the U.S. is way up here, and then the next country's way younger, minuscule yeah. amount. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of like how Arise is hitting against the rest of his competition right now. I'd encourage you, if you haven't, to go back and listen to a few of our past podcasts when we talk about Arise because he's his hitting philosophy we really get into it a, a little bit but it, it it's hard to explain but he really does hit the ball and he, he takes stock of the field and tries to hit it where where players aren't and that's really difficult to do but also something that if you learn to do it can make your batting average go up like it has for him and he's been pretty consistent with this even when he was on the twins yeah it's funny to me to see people online or even writing like how we haven't they almost seem in awe like they haven't seen anything like this before and it's like i i don't know i grew up with tony gwynn you know i, I remember 94 when he was hitting 390 you know i remember this stuff and i just think people have forgotten about that hitting philosophy hit and run is specifically designed to create a hole for the player to shoot the ball into gaps that like open up when a defenseman has to go and cover second base on a stolen base throw, for example, and then you hit the ball and play, you, you try to hit it where that shortstop might have been playing or where that second baseman might have been playing. Like this, this is like 
a decided decision by the hitter. You know, it's not like they're just getting lucky that they happen to hit it over there. It's called punching the ball the other way. You, you, you use your hands to guide the bat through the zone a particular way to try and push the ball in certain directions. That's a great philosophy. But for the last, let's say, 10 years, it's not that's been forgotten. Oh. It hasn't been implemented because everybody was going for power. Yes. The only person that really figured it out was Barry Bonds, and no one likes to talk about him. Okay. Because <laughs> of his steroid problem. But if you watch Barry Bonds hit, he just had, he choked up on the bat, you know? Yeah. And he still hit home runs a long way like that. But he had way more bat control because of that. He's someone that if you watch hit, he would probably look a little bit like a rise with just more power because of the than whatever he was taking to make himself his head grow. I think we're going to see more players coming up and trying to do what Arise is doing. When... You're gonna because of the rule changes. Yes, exactly. This is perfect for guys. Like, if I'm uh, Asturi Ruiz right now, I'm watching Luis Arise, and I want to study the way he hits and learn to hit like that in the majors because I have something that even Arise doesn't have. I have more speed and if I could start to get on base like him, oh man, do I become a weapon in this league? Yeah. So that's, that's like, a very good I think players like Ruiz, and I know Acuna wants to hit for power and whatnot. I feel like you need guys like Tatis and stuff that still hit for power, you know, and, and it might be a different hitting philosophy. I don't know. And that's what I think we, we mean by complimentary hitters. When you put Soto, Machado, and Tatis next to each other in a lineup and they're all trying to hit a home run, it's not necessarily the best team hitting philosophy. Yeah. You we know. see what happens with that. We see this season this yeah. this year. It's not been going very well. Yeah. And it's like if one guy struggles, then they all struggle. And because they don't have these scrappy guys getting on base, you know, and, and shaking it up a little bit. Well, I wanted to move on. We could talk about the Braves and the Marlins probably all day, but really quickly, uh, I wanted to mention the Wizard wins again on the mound. It was Texas defeating the Astros at home yesterday, 5-2. to two. They have now split the first of their two games with the Astros, but Evaldi got to double digits and wins. So he now has 10 wins on the season. And Texas just continues to mash out hits, huh? 15 hits yesterday. Texas, and they just acquired, uh, what's his name? Oh, Chapman. yeah. We should mention that. Texas picked up Araldis Chapman yep. from, the, from Royals. the Royals. So one of their big weaknesses so far as a team this year has been the bullpen. So they get, I guess, I don't know if they know which Chapman they're getting. But I, I guess it, something would provide some help. He'd been looking pretty sharp with Kansas City. Well, this was uh, his half a season to get better on the Royals. Well, the Royals took a flyer on, on him. They were one of the few teams that stepped up and said, you know what, we're going to take a risk on this. And it wound up working out. They get they get a couple young players out of it from Texas. And yeah. We know Texas has a pretty good farm system right now. The Royals, who beat the Dodgers yesterday, by the way. And uh, welcome back Julio Urias yesterday. Oh, nice. And he lost in his first start back for the Dodgers. But it's always good to see someone like him. Getting back? Just, yeah, of course. You, you don't want to beat teams that aren't at their best. So good win for KC, and hopefully that trade works out for them. Yeah. I hope the, the Rangers sent him a couple of decent players. Time will tell with that stuff. The Blue Jays. Blue Jays. The Blue Jays lost yesterday to the Red Sox. This was a little bit of a, a sad one for the Blue Jays. As we mentioned, they had on the Red Unis yesterday, the Independence Day specials. Canada celebrates their Independence Day on July 1st, by the way, if you're not aware. And uh, it's become somewhat of a tradition to have the 
Blue Jays wear these red uniforms every day or, or on that day. So that was always a, like a little wild to see the Blue Jays wearing red uniforms. But they look pretty sharp. I'm looking at it right now. It's not bad. They are sharp, but nevertheless, they they were not victorious. No, they were not. So better luck next year, Blue Jays, if you get that home game. Oh. So Friday, I think we had this moment where we wrote off. It seemed like baseball in general was just writing off these teams, like on Twitter, the Padres, the Mets, the Mariners, and and I sort of grouped the Phillies in there. Though the Phillies don't count this week because they actually had a pretty decent week, minus the Braves games. They um, were the teams like the biggest spenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are the four teams though that I feel like if you count the Phillies, were the big spenders in the offseason. And they have some of the biggest payrolls in baseball this year. And nevertheless, they've all been doing terrible. Yes. So where does that leave us? Well, they all won yesterday. All the teams. Uh, I feel like they all showed up to play yesterday. You know, Verlander got a w- big win over the Giants. The they, they won 4-1. to one. They look like what the Mets were supposed to look like this year. The Padres, they won 12-5 to five at Cincinnati. Like, they actually looked like a team of baseball players yes i mean you know manny machado goes home run twice i saw fernando juan soto manny all had a couple hits at least that's what they were expecting the season to look like i feel like and it's unfortunately been the minority for them the mariners they come out and beat the rays eight to three george kirby looking like the george kirby that we thought we were gonna see more often so yeah the big money teams and then of course the phillies yesterday they they put up a uh, a couple of touchdowns and a field goal and a safety against the Nationals, 19 runs on 18 hits. Mackenzie Gore, what happened yesterday, buddy? What happened? He had a bad game, but... Well, yeah, he should have taken a bigger step this year. That's all. It's too bad. Kyle Schwarber was two for five, which is nice. Four home, uh, four ribbies on the day. Home run. 22nd home run. You know, Kyle, Kyle hitting a buck 88 over there in <laughs> Philadelphia. But boy, is he hitting those whoppers, huh? 22 home runs. I still think you need to make the video with him running on base. Yeah, we got to make a Babe Ruth video of Kyle Schwarber. Oh, I'm, I'm too too early for ragtime, I guess. In, in our continued look at yesterday's baseball oddities, the Orioles also got shut out by the Twins, one to nothing. Kind of boring game. Yeah, Bailey Ober was the big roadblock for the Orioles in this one, pitching seven innings, going two hits and zero earned runs with eight strikeouts. And the Twins are back to 500 and back in front in the AL Central. The Guardians had leapfrogged them earlier this week, so back back on back. Yeah, they're down by one game. Joey Gallo provided the one run in this game with a, a home run, his 15th on the year. And in the battle of the the sluggers, Kyle Schwarber and Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo's hitting a buck ninety five, so Joey Gallo's winning right now in batting average, but losing the home run race. Come on, guys, let's get to two hundred here. I know it's embarrassing. So bad. I I know there's different philosophies about it right now, and and on base and whatnot. I don't think you should be in the majors if you can't hit two hundred. Yeah, at least, especially with all the rule changes that were designed to increase batting averages this year. Exactly. Yikes. Come on, Kyle. The the word about Kyle Schwarber coming out of college was that the guy could hit anything. And not this season. No. So yeah, Orange Birds, the rare shutout yesterday. Uh at home too. The bird bath was not lit up the Saturday and it, it might have been hot. So they could have definitely gone with some bird bath. Uh let's get them some bird bath today, Baltimore. Go. All right. So that's gonna take us to the Angels and the Diamondbacks, and boy, oh boy, uh, what what else can you say about the Angels this season? They dropped the first two here, 
And boy, it's not getting any easier today. I saw the the White Lightnings are are on the mound today. Zach Gallen. Yes, that's not going to be an easy game for the Angels. No, definitely not. But things are continuing to struggle for the Angels, and they just continue to play this roller coaster game. They get up and win three out of four in Texas, mm-hmm. right? But then, at, by the same hand, they they drop two of three at home to the White Sox, and now two in a row to the Diamondbacks. I'm sorry if the NL West leaders are coming into my house. I'm getting up for that game as a team. Oh, we want to prove that we can play against the. Some of the league's best team, you you sort of see that when when team like San Diego takes two out of three against Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. you could argue that they've been playing down to their opponents and not taking them seriously enough. That's why they're struggling, maybe. But this is like what I kind of see with the Angels too a little bit. We we've talked about it before throughout the season how they struggle against Kansas City and and Oakland at times, and it's like guys, you're not going to get these games back, you know. And now you have to play a hard team like the Diamondbacks. So again, like we said, they could they could wind up getting swept today, and now they have to go to San Diego and play for Fourth uh, of July. Otani's supposed to pitch on July Fourth. Yeah, he's got that fingernail issue right now, and and we kind of haven't seen him pitch since he's gotten it. I mean, I don't think they'd send him out on the mound if he was in pain. I don't think so. They just want to be more cautious with it. It's his right hand index finger. Yeah, it's a tough situation. I feel like the Angels are just running out of time, and they're running out of games. Like, there's just not enough runway left to make a big turnaround. And Otani's not going to carry the whole team on his shoulders. The man is doing a lot, but he's Well, time out. I think what's what's sad about the situation is Otani has been playing maybe the best baseball of his career. He just had a 15 home run month in June. He also, I think, won most of his starts in the month after he was like sort of struggling earlier in the season, having that one bad inning they talked about. You know, he was able to fight through some tough games and and win games for his team. He had the two home run game and the 10 strikeouts in the one game that he pitched. So I I think the sad part about it is that the Angels haven't jumped on his back and and rode with him into more of a winning streak. And and you see these weird nights where they like they score 25 runs in Colorado and then they they lose two out of three. It was an odd game. The balls were flying. Nevertheless, it's so bizarre that you can't beat these teams. I don't know. They had leapfrogged Houston and they are now back below, you know, and they're in third place. They're outside of the playoff window, and they got really tough teams ahead of them. Toronto, Houston, New York Yankees, Baltimore. It's not going to get any easier. It's this not is going to get any easier. We're going to get into the second half of the season where the team's going to make a big push to either get into the playoffs or they're going to start selling. And you lost Chapman already. One of the biggest relievers maybe out there is off the board. And what do you need more than anything, supposedly, is relief pitching. Oh, Angels need pitching, relief pitching, definitely. They so, are struggling. Um, there is like a, a rumor that they're going to be looking maybe at Lucas Giolito, right? Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? Who knows? A lot of teams probably want Lucas Giolito. <laughs> yeah. White Sox might be not selling either. They might think they can make it. Doubt it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. Unless they just... just just go on a big tear right now. The hardest part is that they're only six and a half games out of the division lead. They have no chance at the wild card, I would say. With this league, with the East and the West being as talented as they are, no chance at making the wild card. But everyone in the Central, except for the Royals, probably has a legit argument to make that they could make it. It's how much you believe your own 
BS. All right. Well, it's a pretty good summary of the state of the league right now. Atlanta, Tomahawk Stakes, Arizona, maybe a little bit be below. We should mention one thing with Arizona is uh, Corbin Carroll, their standout rookie, is out right now. He left Thursday's game with some shoulder discomfort. And what's interesting about this injury is that it's the same shoulder that ended his 2021 season in the minors when he had or in a labrum, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he had season-ending surgery at that point. So somewhat of a concern for the Diamondbacks, though. I did want to mention he took batting practice yesterday. And Tori Lavulo, the coach for the Diamondbacks, said he hadn't really talked to him about the injury very much, which I thought was interesting. But that he had watched him hit and thought he looked fine. So I'll be interested to see if he's in or out today and how he looks leading up to the All-Star game. You know, I kind of feel like he might not play in the all-star game see how he feels you know looking is one thing feeling is another thing he might be looking fine how you feel it's a little different absolutely well i'm sure he wants to play in the all-star game and i think it's going to be an interesting decision whether or not he does or not that's all because the the diamondbacks probably aren't very keen on him getting injured in an all-star game especially when he's like maybe re-aggravated a previous serious injury yeah and they need him in the second half of the season because he's quote-unquote been their spark plug you know and I don't think they want to go on in this second half without him I doubt it but he is gonna be in the all-star lineup he might not play the game absolutely he earned the starting nod from the fans Mm -hmm. and he was voted in so he he nobody can take that away from him now he earned it this year but whether or not he plays in the actual game I think is to be determined and like we do have a a week to go after a week from today after those games is when the league is gonna shut down he might get replaced by uh Lourdes Gurriel Jr. because he was the runner-up Mm. on Arizona. And if he doesn't play, I think the manager chooses the runner-up. That's interesting. I think it'll be between him and, and Soto and Tatis. I was leaning towards Soto for the sole reason as they might want to invite him back to defend his home run derby championship because he won the home run derby last year. Okay. But that was before he was traded. Yeah. Okay. And obviously he hasn't necessarily had the best first halves of seasons but he has had a really good uh middle of may to now he's been much better well okay so speaking of the all-stars yeah speaking of all-stars and home run derbies um let's talk about those all-star lineups really quick those starting lineups the starting lineups oh the starting lineups there are different there's nine different clubs that are being represented uh, right now at the starting lineups there's four rangers three braves and three dodgers and the rest of is distributed by rays angels yeah i think you know we can go through the the names and the rosters of the starters and everything but like the the biggest thing that stood out to me this Mm -hmm. year with and and i think year to year is that i i continue to not be a fan of fan voting just because it's more of like a high school popularity contest in the end it and is. it's it's really about like is your team doing good right now in the season or is your team not doing good right now in the season and it, it's sad to me because I think players that are on teams that are underperforming that are trying really hard probably to and and by no fault of their own per se get overlooked in this situation because their fans just aren't as engaged as the mm-hmm. fans of the teams that are winning that's the big flaw that I see in this system a little bit nevertheless I don't think they should change it I think the fan choosing the all-star starters is something that is fun 
for the fans and it, and they definitely get to let their voices be heard. I think it engages the fan base a little bit more because I know I voted. Yeah, but it's only theoretical because sure. it's only going to permeate. It's going to permeate more with like the Rangers and the Braves and you would like to think Tampa Bay and you would and the Dodgers that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um the Yankees, you know, major market team. I'm a little surprised about, for example, the NL shortstop is Orlando Arcia. And I know the Braves are having a great, great season. And my argument about the guys getting overlooked on teams that are underperforming, the the same holds true opposite, is that the players that are on teams that are not, I don't know if the Braves are overperforming or if they're just that good, but I don't think that that necessarily makes every single player on their starting lineup an all-star because of that, if that makes sense. It does. Are they an all-star because the team is performing well? Or can they be an all-star if they stand on their own feet with any other team? And I think the all-star game will kind of showcase that. Mm -hmm. Because for NL, the runner-up is uh, Francisco Lindor. He hasn't been doing well this year. Right. But he's also, like I said, he gets the New York bump. Because right. of the, but my, I'm I'm more surprised that someone like Dansby Swanson, who isn't having as bad of a season as Francisco Lindor, didn't get like the Cubs bump. Mm-hmm. The sh- and the Cubs, not that they're like expected to do great this season, I guess, but like they play competitively. They they have offense. They they outscore their opponents right now on the season. They've been hitting the ball and and some games and not all of them but my point is that I guess I, I was surprised that he didn't get more of a, a hometown Chicago bump you know like Chicago's a major market and, and and you don't see the other big name like Trey Turner you know he's nowhere to be found on this list this year we're talking about Lindor Dansby Swanson and uh, Xander Bogart there. I know Xander Bogart was on that list Whoa, for the Padres. I'm talking about Orlando Arcia the actual starter mm-hmm. you know so those are the three people that are in the conversation Xander Bogart's he doesn't have the numbers of these guys to be no. up there this year so no. and he's also been hurt like his hand has been hurt something's going on yeah but Orlando Arcia stood out to me as hmm, I think everything else is probably pretty spot on. I don't know if Arenado is having, I know he struggled a lot early on, which is like surprising. He and Machado were all both struggling and they were both like the MVP. Uh, they were dueling it out last year for the all-star starter spot and the MVP spot and the gold glove. They kind of fight over this stuff every year. Well, but Machado is definitely not there yeah, this year. He doesn't have a good season this year. Nolan Arenado, that will be his fifth all-star start but the rest of the the rest of the positions i i agree with uh sean murphy starting catcher first baseman freddie freeman second base luis arise all rise we have arenado at third base arcia shortstop as we discussed um jd martinez having a great season for the dodgers at the age of 35 hitting uh home runs and just hit his 300th career home run. He's got a resurgency. Yeah. Nah. The Dodgers said, tend to do that with players, it mm-hmm. looks like. Jason Hayward comes to mind. And then the in the outfield, you have Acuna, Mookie Betts, and Corbin Carroll as the starters. But I want to focus on that a little bit more. The AL has four Rangers in the starting lineup. And we just talked about that bump that you get for being on a good team. And I think Rangers, obviously in a big state like Texas, Big markets like Arlington, the Dallas area, the Fort Worth area, you get you get multiple big cities. They're not necessarily top 10 markets in the country, but the fact that they're both so close together makes them have a lot of people. They obviously have are having a great season, mm-hmm. and so their fans are engaged. But they have four starters. They do. They have four starters, and Eovaldi will be most likely a starting pitcher, so it'll be five. 
Yeah, there could potentially be five Rangers taking the field as all-star starters. It's a good thing for them because they had been in a slump. They had had they were the longest team without an all-star starter. In in I think it was like since 2012 they hadn't had an elected voted starter. So they they dominated the like they had their coming out party. They got four possibly five starters in the all-star game, but a couple of them are I think I'm not going to say not warranted. I think it just shows like more flaws, I guess, in this fan voting system that I see. I know Jonah Heim has put up really good numbers this year, but to me, Adley Rushman is the all-star starting catcher. He is a runner-up. I, I know. I, I'm just saying, in my mind, he's the starter, okay. not not Jonah Heim. And I'm looking at it as star value, star potential. Adley Rushman is the cover boy of like Tops Series 1 this year. He was called up last year. He's one of the biggest prospects in all of baseball, and he started the season with a 5-for-5 game on opening day. I think Baltimore gets overlooked still, and and they might have to bust through in the playoffs this year before people take them really seriously, I guess, nationally. We watch them because we know that they have these awesome young players Mm -hmm. like Gunnar Henderson that they're really trying, I think, in Baltimore to look at their record. You know, like they are cutting it close with the Rays right now even. I wouldn't be surprised if they actually they might win that division. They they might sneakily win that division. Yeah, they might. That's just another that's just something that I believe. It's nothing against Jonah Heim. It's not a personal knock. It's just that also I, I feel like the game is better when there's more colored uniforms out there. I, I don't want to see five players from one team. Like I said, I don't think this is necessarily accurate. I think this is a flaw in like oh, my team's just better than yours this year, so all my players are all-stars. And it's like, I don't think... Well, there will be a, a player from each team because yeah. that's how it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But Marcus Semien, yes. Corey Seager, another one. I know Corey Seager is playing really well, but he hasn't played in a lot of games, you know? And I just feel like there's probably... It's, it's just an oversight. It's just fans saying, like, well, my player's better than yours because our record's better. You're and- forgetting also Josh Young on Texas. I'm not forgetting. I haven't gotten to that yet. That's the biggest one, in my opinion, that's like an overreach because, look, I I get it. Like, he's a flashy rookie. His rookie cards are floating around right now. Everyone's excited about young players all the time. I get it. This is a premature anointment. You you passed up Raphael Devers, who's having a great season and and basically has carried what was thought to be a, a bad Red Sox team to a 500 record. You know, like this is it was a big, big oversight on the part of the league. Okay. well, Well, not on the part of the league, on the part of the fans, I should say. And this is where, like, the popularity contest ruins it for me a little bit. Well, Josh Young is going to be the first Ranger rookie to start in the All-Star game since the franchise moved to Texas in 72. Doesn't change anything about him. It's just... uh, It's not personal against Josh Young. I like Josh Young. I have one of his rookie cards in my collection over here and not like just a base one. I have a nice one and I don't want to get rid of it right now. (laughs) That's for sure. So my point is though, is that he's not the all-star starting third baseman this year. If you are being objective and this is where fans are incapable of being objective. You have fans that will just go and vote one through nine for their starters. Austin Nola got votes. Austin Nola doesn't deserve one vote to be the starting all-star catcher. And that's why I feel like ultimately I'm not a huge fan of this system and that it's just, you just got to take the all-star game for what it is. It's just an exhibition game. You just got to like chalk it up and say like, okay, well, these teams did well this year. And, yeah. you know, and at least 
for the first half of the season. I do like that guys like Arise are starting. I'm glad he's permeating through the national conversation and not just like inside baseball stuff. It's not only his fan base that voted him, more people heard his name and might have voted for him to be in the All-Star Games. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like during the World Baseball Classic this year, Arise was there. But he wasn't like any of the big talked about names or anything like he gets overlooked so much in his career. You know, he led the AL in batting last year. He's going to be one of the rare players that is going to lead the AL and the NL in hitting in back-to-back seasons in both leagues. That's a good hitter. Anyways, so I'm really glad to see that. Sorry, Josh Young. You're just not an all-star to me this year. I think the rest of the list looks pretty good. Shohai, Mike Trout, Randy Arozarena, and Aaron Judge in the outfield. Uh, Of course, with Aaron Judge, you're probably going to need a replacement. I don't think he's going to touch the All-Star game field with that big toe of his this year. I'm curious with Mike Trout's struggles, if he's going to maybe skip the game or make up an injury this year. He's been slumping a lot at the plate lately, so that's a questionable one for me. But a Rosarena's going, and he's going to play in the Home Run Derby. And He uh, wanted to play in the Home Run Derby. Yeah, and we do have half of the Home Run Derby lineup that's now been announced and it's kind of an interesting list so far because I feel like it's one of the biggest star-studded lineups at least the first half of it in in recent years you know I'm, I'm a child of the 80s and 90s I grew up when uh, the home run derby had Griffey and Frank Thomas and Bonds and McGuire and, and they, they did it every year and they hit moonshots you know they hit 550 foot shots and yeah some of them were probably on juiced arms and everything but I loved it as a kid and as the years have gone on I feel like it's kind of become like the NBA slam dunk contest where like you just don't see the big name players doing it you know and you kind of hear whispers of different people over the years that like, you know what, it can really screw up your swing. By it's the timing. Just yeah. going up there and swinging for the fences like all night. Yeah, that was uh, actually Juan Soto entered the home run derby to fix his swing <laughs> because he wanted to elevate the ball to hit over the fence more because he was he felt that he was grounding up too many balls. Yeah. Whether that helped him or not, I don't know. But that was the story behind last year, why he entered. Yeah. Well, nevertheless, we have our first four entrants, and we, we talked about Randy Arena, and I'm just really not surprised that he's doing it. He actually lobbied to do it. He was like, I want to do it. Man and loves the spotlight. Yeah, he loves the spotlight. He loves to... Uh, he thrives under it. He really does. Well, I think he likes to entertain people and yes. uh, put on a little bit of a a show above and beyond just the regular playing. You know, he has his famous pose, of course, and he's one of the, he's really kind of become like a, a star in his own. So I'm, I'm happy he's doing it. I'm happy for him that he is getting to do it. The other player I want to talk about on the list is Julio Rodriguez, who is kind of being, I guess, foisted upon us as the hometown kid because he didn't make the all-star team. No, he did not. He was a runner-up last year too, right, for the home run derby? Yeah, he was the runner-up in the home run derby last year, but he was voted as a starter last year. And Mm -hmm. Julio has not had the season I think he probably wanted to have this year. Again, the teams that were supposed to do well this season are not... The Mariners were on that list. I don't know if they were the biggest spenders, but they are on the list of disappointments. Yes. Nevertheless, this feels like a consolation prize, I guess, for the hometown crowd in Seattle. Because uh, And what, what, what did you do, Seattle? How did you not vote in your youngest 
like star player that you're building your franchise around when you're hosting the damn all-star game this is this would be the equivalent of the bulls hosting the all-star game in like 1986 and michael jordan not being voted as a starter by the fans you know what i mean that's kind of how this feels or, or maybe even like 90s griffey you know if the mariners were hosting the all-star game in the 90s which they probably did at one point and Griffey wasn't not voted in as the starting center fielder. Like, that would be a big oversight. And I just kind of feel like this was a big oversight. And I don't know if it's good for the game, you know, when you have a city like Seattle that's hosting the event and they don't have their best player representing them on the field. Rodriguez hasn't been talked about much. I know. In the national level because he hasn't been performing well. Yeah, I think that's a bit, like, harsh, you know, like, He's played great defense. I agree, but there he has a lot of other competition in that department. He does, but again, I look at, at he's he's similar to Adley Rushman to me. He's all over Tops branding, you know, this year. Like he made commercials for Tops. He's supposed to be a star in this game, you know what I mean? Uh or he's at least being marketed as a star in the game. And so it's surprising to me that when you have someone that's got like this extra support behind them from Major League Baseball, from Tops, from other places that that's not enough to push like in the mind of the fan that doesn't follow the game every day like oh I don't know that he's necessarily struggling so much this year you know I still see him making great plays on highlight films and I still see him hitting home runs and I'm just surprised that they couldn't push that one over the edge for the hometown that's all okay I'm not saying he deserves it or doesn't deserve it but like we just said this is a popularity contest mm -hmm. a high school popularity contest it's not based on merit. We just kind of admitted that. I know. And I think Acuna, even Kiermaier to a certain degree, sucked all the air from other players because they were being talked about a lot more often. Mm -hmm. And people get acquainted with their names and they see, oh, Acuna, so I vote for him versus Rodriguez. They just don't hear that name a lot. Yeah. Julio started very, very slow last year. Mm -hmm. He just got hot in May and June, I think, leading up to the All-Star game. He got, and we saw more of the player that we thought we were going to see. He's 22 years old. I think what I can best describe Julio right now is he's having a sophomore slump. You know, it's not the most unheard of thing in the game. And not everyone stays in the slump forever. So, but rounding out the list of Home Run Derby participants is Vlad Jr. and Mookie Betts. So... Uh, you got some star power in those names, and that's only the first half. When is the second half being announced? You know, I'm not sure. It says they're going to be added as they're announced. I think they're kind of in the process of figuring out, like, well, who's invited, who wants to do it. I, I, I think with Otani and this fingernail thing, I don't see him doing it. I don't either, and I hope he doesn't do the home run derby. Yeah, we saw him do it last year, and it just didn't seem like an event for him. No. You know, even though he hits the biggest bombs in the league. But he's not the speediest of a hitter. Yeah, I think he's not necessarily conditioned for it. Okay, that's a better way to put it, sure. He's a great runner, and, like, he, he runs the bases really well for his size, you know? Mm -hmm. Anyways, but Mookie, I, I haven't seen or heard him do the home run derby, like, in recent memory, so that'll be different to see what uh you, you never you don't see a lot of little guys go up there and do it you know and i'm not saying mookie's a little guy but he's not the biggest dude in the league you know when you think of home run derby though you think of bigger guys like david ortiz maybe or pete alonzo even and pete obviously has had uh that hand issue and i don't know if he's gonna do it and he he loves doing it we know that but i just don't know if he is gonna be able to get away with that this year like you said it, it can kind of mess with your swing mm -hmm. if you just like start trying to hit home runs 
especially because you practice for the event leading up to it a little bit. So you start trying to hit home runs then and then it can just have an effect on your swing. So that's why I think some players are hesitant to do it. I can totally understand that. It's a timing mechanism with yeah. the home run derby. And then you got to go and play the regular game where you have a different timing. Yeah. All right. So those are the four so far for the home run derby. And so the all-star weekend is starting to come into fruition a little bit. We're starting to get a bigger picture of how that weekend is going to, or I call it the weekend, but how the all-star festivities during Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are going to go down. All right. Well, games are starting here soon. We're going to get off of the air and get on with our baseball day here. And we'll be back tomorrow with another show to go over these all-star pitchers that they're going to announce tonight. So stay tuned for that tomorrow, everybody. And we'll also be back to recap some of the games today and talk about the weekend, the matchups for the week ahead. We got one more week to go before the All-Star break, and we'll see who can make some moves before then. All right. Well, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at kanikadaily at gmail.com, or you can find us on social media. You can just look for Kanika Baseball. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. YouTube. Twitter, I guess, is questionable these days, depending on how many tweets you've looked at today. But we'll see how that evolves in the next week or so. All right. That's all I got for today. This is Kenny. I'm going to sign off. And I'm Nika going to sign off. Have a wonderful rest of the Sunday. Adios, everybody. Bye. Bye.